I suppose that most of you have read the book, but I say some words about the book and I say the following things and then it ends up with a question. <laughs> uh, Rose is a psychoanalyst living in the inner city of Paris who as a Christmas present receives a cruise with the children on the Mediterranean. Somewhere out on the cold December Sea, the cruise ship encounters both refugees who are rescued by the crew while waiting for the Italian Coast Guard. Rose heads down to the deck where migrants are held and meet Junes from Niger who ask her for a cell phone. On a whim, Rose give him her son's cell phone. This mobile phone then becomes a kind of lifeline between Rose and Jonas. Rose is about to move to the Basque country of her childhood, while Yoon is on his way to Calais in order to get to England from there. Rose is faced with a series of questions and standpoints. Does it help to help? Is a single contribution enough? What does her life look like? Is she really satisfied with her life? What will her family say? What does an everyday hero look like? Based on this question, the novel Avigt Hav, The Wayward Sea, was born. A novel about one of the most burning political issues of our time. And now I have my question, the first one. If there are any political conclusions in your no novel, which are they? <laughs> I, I write novels because I don't have any political conclusions, in fact. I write novels because I I write novels to be able to think, because I, I, I don't have a political head. I'm not very good at, at theory or at... Um, I need to write and to tell stories to understand the world better, and I hope to share these stories with you, putting you always... All my characters are, uh, Rose is not a hero, Rose is not a committed woman, Rose is not even, uh, she's not ready at all to have a refugee at home, for example. She doesn't want that, she's very scared of that. But the, the book, the, the story, the boats will, will slowly lead her where she doesn't want to go, because the planet is this way and we inhabit this planet. And if I have a political thinking, it's that if, I, if we were on Mars and we were looking at our planet, we would wonder why does this people from Earth have a right to inhabit the planet and why do these other people from Earth don't have the right to inhabit the same planet? How do we share inhabitants? And, um, and it's completely absurd, <laughs> seen from Mars. <laughs> So, um, 
Rose is, is a very, what I like when I write stories is really to tell our day-to-day -day life with middle people of Europe. I mean, Rose has a job. The job is not well paid enough. She's a psychologist in Paris. She belongs to this like upper middle class uh, that cannot afford Paris anymore. They live in a very small apartment with two kids. The kids share the same little room. Her husband is, in a, is a real estate agent. And, he, and Paris is going crazy, like many uh, European capitals, about real estate. And uh, these two people are already having a bad time inhabiting Paris. It's too expensive. So they are thinking of going back to their homeland, Basque country, where I was born, which is very expensive too, etc., etc. So they have very day-to-day -day problems. <coughs> and when Rose comes back from work, tired, she has to help the children do their, their homework and, and find the lost notebook of the daughter and see that her husband has drinking too much again because he has problems at work, etc. She's not ready at all to help a refugee. It's, it's out of the context. She, but the context is where she lives. So when she goes on a holiday on that cruise to relax, <laughs> bam, it doesn't work this way. And when my mother, my mother is this sort of a, she's a teacher, she's now is an eight, is in her 80s, she's very well healthy and, um, and of course she's a typical public who go on those cruises, you know. Those cruises are luxury, fake luxury, made for the middle class, European middle class. So she told me, come, come, it's great, the kids will love it, etc. So because I write novels, I thought, I should go, I should go to see, you know. My kids were so happy because for once we didn't go to museums, we didn't go to <laughs> theaters, we didn't, uh, they didn't even have to write, uh, to read books. They had to go to nightclubs and eat pizza and hamburgers, etc. So they were so happy. And the, and the cruise boat went along Lampedusa. Lampedusa. I thought the very name of what was happening, of the, the very symbol of the, the mass migration. And I thought, what would happen if a boat, a little boat was there? That's how the novel started. And this story of the phone, and, and, because Eunice, as you told the story, um, he, her, his phone, so he, Eunice is about 16, 17. It's, you, don't, you never really know his age. And because it's a very, it's a big issue, the age of the refugee, because they have rights under 18 in France and elsewhere and not over 18. And so his, his phone is, has taken water, his phone is, is humid and it's broken. And it's, and it's a disaster, a phone for, for them. I, I've been working with a lot of refugees, a bit everywhere, in fact. A phone is like, it's almost a key to open a door. Uh, it's almost, it's the beginning of inhabiting. If, you, if you, they lose the phone, they are absolutely naked on the planet. So it's a disaster. His phone doesn't work anymore. And she understands. And what does she do? She goes to the cabin and she takes her son's phone. Not her phone. Her son's phone. Why not her? Because her is too important. The son, and the son, of course, a part of the novel is, I hope, a bit comic. Because the son, who is 15, is living a nightmare. He cannot find his phone anymore. And during all the book, he looks, he's searching for his phone. And the mother doesn't know. <laughs> My son told me, did you do that to me? 
I, I leave the house. <laughs> well, anyway, so I, in our day-to-day -day life, there are some situations that are... That it's, it can also be very funny. It's bizarre, but a lot of refugees told me in a very humorous tone their odyssey. I remember a guy from Niger who told me how, how he crossed the Sahara disguised as an old woman. And it was so funny under his veil, you know, and he was... And their humor is very often what they have left, you know, to make their tragedy funny. It's something that's very hard to receive for us, but I met a lot of refugees who are really funny people, because it's what they have. So anyway, the book was born out of all, all this mess. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe one can say that to some extent what you are describing now is some kind of political point of view. Uh, that means that um, this way of asking yourself where can people live, where can, how can people coexist together, mm -hmm. because uh, there is after all <coughs> uh, something is uh, driving the mother to give something to this person uh, that is in, in danger. How is the political situation in France, I mean, you, as we both know very well, the discussion about immigrants in France is a very important discussion. <coughs> and um, you have the tendency, very clear cut, uh, by uh, a woman like Marie Le Pen, to uh, make a clear separation between the French population and the people not belonging to Europe. In what extent are you touched, or is this not, after all, uh, some kind of important um, statement in relation to this French situation. It is, but, uh, but um, I'm not totally Utopian or idealist. For example, when I was uh, working in Calais with uh, refugees and uh, most mostly listening to listening to them to their stories, uh, I also had uh, discussions with uh, young people, mostly English young people from. Um, uh, the movement No Borders or uh, A World Without Border. Or, and um, of course I would love a world without borders, but it's not that easy. But I, I admire those young people who are really uh, dedicated to, to change everything. To uh, I'm more like Rose. I'm, I don't have... Um, I don't have a, a set of ideas ready, you know, to fit any situation. And I don't... I can't blame people who vote for Marine Le Pen. Of course, I, 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 woke up, I woke up last night at 4 a.m. and I thought, <gasps> in four years she will be the president, she will be the president. And it, it was like a, a nightmare, you know, how can we avoid that? How can we avoid that? Certainly not by, by um, uh, despising or yelling at the people who vote for her. Um, we should try to understand more why they vote for her, etc. Uh, in my family, there are people who vote for, for her, and not necessarily old people, now young people too. And it's a disaster, but um, I, have no, I have no miracle solution. I have no miracle solution. All I can do is to propose stories and novels, and sometimes they are adapted for cinema too, so it, it can reach a wider public, perhaps, or on TV. But I can propose stories, and one part of my job is to tell the stories of the refugees 
showing that they are normal people. An example that I like very much is that um, when I was in Cali, I was uh, discussing with a woman called Sylvie. Sylvie was an ex-employee of the post office and, um, in Cali. Uh, a woman in her, in her 60s living alone and she had one spare room. She was in Cali and for her that was obvious to receive young people, to give them shelter. It's cold in Cali. And at some point, she could have 12 young people uh, in, in her room on mattresses. And, and thought, so how do you do for, for cooking? How do you do fe to feed them? So she would explain me, they, always, they, they, they had to put some coins in a box and to participate to the food, etc. She told me, food is nothing. Food is okay. Food is cheap, in fact. The problem is the shower. So, well, she said, they are all teenagers, old boys. There's no one who would think about mopping the ground after having the shower. It's always, I, I have to do it. I yell at them, can't you mop after you shower? What did your mother do in your country? Well, she would mop. Well, I'm not your maid, etc. And it is very, very, it's a it's a day-to-day -day life. I, I like that. When you receive somebody home, it, it, you have to live with that person. And and it comes it comes back to the shower and to and to who is going to do the errands for the food and and now it's time to go to bed midnight you you know I love that it's already a novel and I had once a, a, a kid home and what was uh, a kid from uh, Mali at that time what was difficult at that time to do is that my son was very jealous of the attention I gave to the young boy from Mali and, and my and my daughter who was much smaller was on the contrary in total admiration for this young boy from abroad you know and uh, and they kept in contact but my son really did not like him at all so you have to deal with all this so i don't have any solution it's very it's exhausting to have a refugee home it's exhausting because you have to deal with somebody you don't know who doesn't have the same rhythm the same the same culture etc so um the solution is not to receive them at home it, we don't have to do that. It's too complex. The states should organize a hospitality that would avoid us to have wars, conflicts, and the right extreme uh, president in five years or here, I don't know. But we should organize. They are coming anyway. They are coming because it's unbearable to be there. It's too hot, you don't have food enough. It's, it's not only war, it's just I've been traveling a lot. And, they have no future. Uh, the future, I, I talked to the boys especially, because the boys are migrating more than the girls for many reasons, of course. And, and they just want to have a, a job and a family. And they, they can't there. And they, it's, a, it's a huge planetary problem. So, yeah, so I write novels. Yeah. <laughs> I, I agree, of course, with what you're saying. But maybe the fact that you are writing novels in the way you do is some kind of description that makes it possible for people to feel their present differently. Not finding solutions, not uh, having any kind of political solutions for everybody or for a country, or uh, idealizing them in a way that is just destructive, but having a description that you describe uh, their character, their way of being and the confrontation between, between different cultures make us also 
have a greater possibility to integrate them in another way. Yeah. And that is very important, as it's essential for uh, everybody. And the reaction, I agree also with that, we have to understand why political point of view that we don't share also appreciate by, appreciated by so many people. In Sweden last year, it was around, in September this year, or, or more, I could count it differently, but at least 20%. And you have to understand why are they reacting the way they do? This had to be understood. But let me, because time is just running away, I, I, the question that I am very interested in, as you know, uh, is that uh, Rose is working as a psychologist mm -hmm. uh, in Paris. And as you said, it's not that very easy to, uh, to work as a psychologist today in Paris. Mm -hmm. Economical situation is completely exhausting. Yes, they, yeah. are, they are badly paid and uh, when they are in the public system yeah. and they have uh, a lot of uh, teenagers. Uh, and that was written be before the pandemic. Yeah. But there are too many patients, and uh, yes, yeah, and they are very complicated. Many of their yes, patients. Yes, yes. You yourself have been into analysis, mm -hmm. and you have even practicing as a psychoanalyst. Mm -hmm. What would you say about the relationship with your uh, analytical experience and your writing? What, what kind mm -hmm. of? Difference? It's a, it's a, it's a long story. Psychoanalysis in, in my life and the presence of the unconscious in my life. I, I, I dream uh, a lot, maybe, because I'm a, in a, an insomniac. And I'm, when I fall asleep, I, I stay very long in that zone called, you know, the hypnagogic zone, where Kafka wrote all of his diary, you know. You, you're never fully asleep. You're aware that you are not asleep. It's exhausting. In a way, you sleep, but very lightly, and you always wake up. And the dreams are so present that they are sometimes very, very close to uh, almost hallucination. And um, I, I, my, actually, my last book in France is an essay about insomnia. It's not published for yet. I've launched it, but it will. Uh, but um, so I dream a lot. I'm in contact with my dreams. They never directly give me ideas. For example, I never directly wrote a dream. And there's this famous famous saying by Henry James: "Tell a dream, lose a reader." Because <laughs> because dreams dreams when well, you're not practicing psychoanalysis, when somebody tells you a dream, you know, in, your, in the morning, in your family, it's so boring in general, it's, it's too long, anyway. So I never took directly inspiration from my dreams, but the this state of mind, very floating, very porous to the world, in a way, where you rethink about why not Marine Le Pen, and you, it gives you, it gives you, in a way, a sort of vision from Mars. It gives you, I don't know, everything is both more tragic and less tragic. It's a different way of seeing the world. And when I go back to me in the morning and when I try to wake up to have coffee and to write, I'm, I know that what I'm trying to do consciously is to propose you a, a little window from where perhaps you had no idea of looking. The window is there in your mind, like you're living the same house for a number of years, you know, and your house in your brain has many windows, but perhaps this little window near the roof 
You have no time or no idea to open it and look. And my novels are there, if you want. I, I, I would like to open a new little window in your mind so that you can have a look the other way around, or I don't know. It's both very ambitious and very modest also because it's a, it's a small window. But if I could, yeah, please open it, you know. So um, it takes time to read a book and it takes time to open that window. But uh, for example, the... the the husband, the character of the husband, Christian, who is a real estate agent. He's a real estate agent because that profession is fascinating to me. Um, he, is, he has the keys of your next apartment. And I love this job where all day long he, he shows you your possible next apartment. Is it for you or not? And I, I interviewed a lot of refugees but I also interviewed a lot of real estate agents because they have those crazy stories to tell. Uh, uh, an apartment when a crime has occurred. How can you sell or rent this apartment? Do you sell? Do you say that there was somebody murdered there or not? Haunted houses. Plenty of, of stories of ghosts, you know. So, oh, oh yeah, please tell me more. So, and and um, the question, Christian, the husband, could be somebody who vote for Le Pen. He could be. He drinks too much, perhaps because he's so alcoholic. He, he, he cannot go to the to the election, you know, vote, and we he doesn't vote in the end for Marine Le Pen. I don't know, but he's he's terrified at the state of the world. He and when Rose tells him that they are going to have a refugee home, he 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 doesn't want that. I mean, he well, well no. And, but, in, but in a way, he does his best too, in his way, because he's very interested in why and where do people inhabit? And why, after all, is Eunice not allowed to inhabit anywhere? And, and he, he's, I, I, I like this character of Christian very much. There's a movie who's going to be made out of the book in France, and we are, not me, but the, the, the team, team is trying to cast uh, an actor for this character. And um, mm -hmm. I have a very... We are still looking for him. <laughs> I'm still looking for him. <laughs> I, I read briefly your uh, book about insomnia oh. uh, last time in Paris. Um, and uh, the question of sleeping or not sleeping is an issue for you. Oh, yeah. It has been. And the book is, I would say, there's a lot of humor in that book. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah, it is. It is. I am convinced. And, and the question of alcohol is also. Yes, because when you don't sleep, you, you, you are so tired in the day that you're trying to find energy around 6 o'clock, you know, p.m. And you have a glass of wine, of course, and two and three, and you feel much better. And then at midnight, you cannot sleep at all. Or if you can sleep, you, you wake up at four. It's a disaster. No, a lot of uh, insomniac are very prone to addictions, more than the people who sleep uh, very well. But these issues are also, to some extent, related to your psychological praxis or your experience of psychoanalysis. Yes, uh, yes, I suppose. Uh, you mustn't fall asleep when you listen to your patients. No. That's the first rule. <laughs> no, it's um, I, I had uh, well, yeah, insomnia as um, for example, okay, in Calais again. Uh, I remember. Um, for how long uh, time did you stay in Calais? In Calais, like a week, not more. Oh, I, I've, in fact, I, I, I was I was in Niger um, 
the starting point of the migration yes. of all West Africa goes through Niger because it's from there that they try to cross the Sahara and then the sea, of course. And um, I stayed longer in Niger than in Calais. I don't know, Calais was only one hour from Paris and it scared me a lot. It scared me more than, than, than Niger. It was too close. I don't. I knew, in fact, that Nigeria once... is a dangerous country. It is. It was. I only Very. stayed in the capital because... It, well, it's a long story. <laughs> <laughs> Just tell us. Tell us. No, because <laughs> in the capital of, of Niger, called Niamey, uh, at that time when I was there in 2014, um, Libya and Algeria, with agreement of Europe, called Frontex, would gather all their refugees and bring them back through the Sahara in awful conditions, in trucks, and put them in Niamey, when they had nothing to do. There were people from Cameroon, from, from all the coasts, from Ghana, from Nigeria, from and, and there they were people from a green Africa, from a humid Africa, just there in the desert, in Niamey. And in Niamey, there's nothing. It, it's one of the poorest places in, in, on Earth. And... Uh, and, uh, and they, they, were, they called themselves the Stranded, Les Echoués, the Stranded. So I talked with them a lot. It was, it was quite hard, but some of them I had humor. And, and, and Cali was so close and I knew, you know, from Niger you can fly back home in Paris. From Cali you can never really fly back. It's too close. And in Paris there are the... I knew that as soon as I was going to, to do conversations with migrants and refugees in France, I would get involved. Too much committed, and, uh, and, uh, too and yeah, and uh, and it's the anyway. It's a long story. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, the I was amazed in Cali to see that all those young guys they they would sleep. In fact, you know, young people they sleep. Whatever happened, they sleep. Teenagers sleep, and uh, and I would come back to my very chic hotel on the harbour, the Hotel Meridian. And, uh, and I would wake up at three o'clock in the morning, you know, in my luxurious queen-size bed and with the heating on and etc. And I would look out of the window and, I, and they were sleeping outside in the, what was called the jungle at that time. But, uh, and, um, and in fact, my book about this song has started there. I was ashamed not to sleep while they were sleeping outside in the cold. A shame. Yeah. I see, I see. Yeah, the shame for me was there. The very privileged one cannot sleep, yes, and, the, and the people yes, who are yeah. really suffering in a, in a catastrophic situation are capable of sleep. Yes, I, there was some. To me, there is a mystery there. A mystery. Yeah, it's not only that they they were young, perhaps they really needed to sleep to escape, or perhaps they were really tired, and then I was not really. It's, it's anyway another book. <laughs> <laughs> another book. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, yeah, I, I, I thought about one thing. Uh, I read in the morning a, a passage from a group psychology and analysis of the EU, where Freud is writing the following: the contrast between individual psychology and social or group psychology, which at the first glance may seem to be full of significance loses a great deal of its sharpness when it is examined more closely. And I've read that. Mm -hmm. I thought about your book. Mm -hmm. It is that the difference between the character in the book and the social problem 
uh, is to some extent eliminated in the meaning that uh, you are in your book describing through the personalities the situation that we are living. Mm -hmm. I hope so. Uh, and this is a very good sign to me of the book. It is like uh, at the same time the, the difference between in the individual and the social problems are eliminated in your book. I think it's very beautiful. I think Thank you. you. Yeah. I think you do it very well. Um, I think also, like you said before, which is important, it is not a political statement in the book, but the book is, after all, a very political one. Uh, yes, time. I hope so. I hope so, but in my way, yes. Uh, in your way. I'm not there to give lessons, or I don't know. Exactly. I don't know. I'm here to express that I don't know and that I would like to know more and uh, to understand more. Mm. We, we are tired of all these lessons. Also. Yes, I've been given too much lessons, and they have not been uh, so very convenient. Mm. Uh, the time is over, uh, and uh, thank you very much. Thank you, Marie. Absolutely.